from Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Chad from Be Structured. Chad, it's really nice to have you on. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited for today's discussion. Chad, can you tell me a bit about who you are as well as what your company does and what you guys are up to? Sure. I'm Chad Lauterbach. I'm the founder and CEO of Be Structured Technology Group. We go by Be Structured usually. Just the brief life story, I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona, was lucky enough to be around some for the, at the time, cutting edge technology and I'll date myself, but we had a Mac classic at home. We had an IBM XT. I got to play with a Commodore 64. I got some really early childhood experience on computers that probably most people didn't have hanging out at their house, which was a great experience for me. When I was in high school, I had my first Windows NT system. And also when I was in high school, I got the opportunity to work at Mayo Clinic out there in Scottsdale as obviously a really junior technician, but installing printers and computers and things like that. But getting to meet a bunch of NT Microsoft certified professionals that were doing the big stuff with these big Dell servers and these server rooms and things like that. And it got me really interested in it as a potential career path. So that's how I got interested in IT. I obviously I had some other interests as we all do. I ran track and cross country, got into audio, which is my audio headphones and photography and some other things, but IT really seemed to be an up and coming industry. I didn't, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I had, I had my first IT job when I was like 15 years old, I guess you could say. And then I did some contracting after high school. Uh, eventually getting my first full-time job out here in Los Angeles at a logistics company. Ended up moving back to Arizona for a brief while at a healthcare startup, built their entire IT department from the ground up. Also got the opportunity to work for a freight forwarder based out of Chicago for a while. That's fairly large. I had some unique opportunities in my early 20s to really get into some fairly decent-sized IT stuff for my age. And again, I attribute that to... The fact that I probably most people weren't 15 installing printers and workstations at Mayo Clinic. Granted, that's not a high level position, but to be doing that at such a young age, I gave me the ability to do some higher level things in my 20s than probably most people got the opportunity to do, which was fun. But I always had the entrepreneurial spirit. I had started a couple companies when I was younger, was still learning the ropes. I had started a workstation server building company. And I had started a website building company, neither of which was a failure, just neither of which was a blooming success either. And I think it was worthwhile to work for somebody else for a little while and get the ropes of how a larger organization operates, but still had that entrepreneurial spirit in me. And in 2007, I started the Structured Technology Group. I had amassed a few clients on the side, moonlighting nights and weekends, as a lot of IT people do and decided to just make the jump. I left the healthcare company in Arizona and moved back to Los Angeles, which is where I wanted to be. And yeah, I started working for those customers and growing the business. So that's where Be Structured and I came from and how the, it's the origin story, if you will. <laughs> I love it. That's an awesome story. So what advice do you have to other entrepreneurs when it comes to growing a company? Obviously, you've been running this company for quite a while now. It's been successful. What are some of the tactics and strategies you've used? What advice do you have for others out there growing their companies? If I could give my younger self 
some advice, it would be, I was really, I, I was pretty hesitant to sell. <laughs> I think, and I think it depends. I think I've seen both sides of business owners and entrepreneurs. Some sell and can't deliver and others of us like me that were specializing in delivery, right? Like I did IT work and was becoming an entrepreneur. I knew what was required to deliver something, but didn't necessarily know how to sell or was nervous about selling too much. I think for somebody in my shoes, that's coming from a technical background and wants to build a business, don't be afraid to sell and don't be afraid to understand that you're going to make some mistakes. That's just going to happen. Obviously you don't want to have mistakes that are super detrimental to other organizations or yourself, but things just aren't going to be perfect. And I think, especially from a lot of people that are engineers, we want to engineer something that's perfect, that has no bugs, that works hundred percent perfectly all the time. And that's just not the world we live in. I think if I could have gone back, I would have been more aggressive at selling and packaging what I do. And also I think surrounding yourself with people that have strengths that are diverse, that are different than yours is really important. Those first few hires, finding people that have that, that you work, get along with on a personality level and enjoy being around, but have very different strengths. So for me, a key hire was bringing on somebody that was more comfortable doing the selling. And I really became more of the solution architect once the sale was made. So other people are going and dealing with the leads, doing these initial contacts and everything like that. I come in and I actually architect the solution for the client. We present that solution together and I can explain technically how the solution is going to work better than I probably can get my foot in the door and get that initial conversation going just because it's not my strongest suit, if you will. Yeah, it's very interesting how both sides are needed. I myself am more of the, that salesperson. So when I started to build the team, it's like finding those people that are great at execution and making sure we're hitting timelines and can actually deliver and all that. Yeah, yeah. Totally see that. When it comes to like lessons learned, what are some of those mistakes that maybe you made that you're like, oh, we shouldn't do that again? Yeah, some of them were made before I started Be Structured, but I think just going into being, having an engineering, an engineering mindset toward everything, some of the early solutions I built for some of my clients were probably a bit overbuilt for the size organization they were. Did that harm them? Only in the sense that they probably spent some more money than they needed to. It was still an op a very functional operational IT solution, but it came at higher capital costs than maybe they needed. And I've been on the flip side of that. I've underbuilt something for a client that then didn't perform quite as well as they wanted. So there is kind of a sweet spot of architecture and the underbuilding oftentimes comes because customers are, I can't afford that. And you still want to work with them and you want to try to meet their needs. And you're like, we could go with this and I think it'll work. And then it's like, nah, it didn't really like it worked, but not at the performance level we were all hoping. I've learned to really expectation set with clients. So the reality is one of the things in IT, as with software development, as with a lot of types of businesses really, is there's a lot of ways to do things. Not every industry is like that. If you're a knee surgeon, there's probably only two or three methodologies for replacing an ACL. I don't know, cause I'm not a doctor, but there's just not that many ways to do that thing. Whereas, or flying a plane, right? Yeah, maybe there's some differences in the way pilots operate, but for the most part, like it's prob probably everybody's doing things pretty similar. It's like a book you can read and yeah, yeah. But with IT, like you really, you have a million vendors to choose from. In those vendors, you have 
vast arrays of product lines and understanding that there really is more one appropriate way to do something can make it really challenging to find that sweet spot for a client that's not underbuilt, that's not overbuilt, that's using a technology stack you like and know. Getting all those stars to align can be challenging. And so one of the big things I think I've learned is expectation setting for clients is a really great one that we had was we had a client that had some reporting software with really poorly written SQL queries. If you know anything about SQL, really poorly written SQL queries mean you're making the server work a lot harder because the SQL query isn't optimized. And they were complaining about performance. And I said, look, you have a fairly expensive server already and it's pretty nice. Can we buy a faster server? You can pretty much always buy a faster server, right? So yes, if you want to spend $30,000 on a really fast server, like we can do that. I don't think that's the best use of your money. I think you should go back to the person developing these reports and SQL and either get a second, second opinion or get them to write more efficient, more optimized SQL queries because you can get these to run a lot faster on your existing hardware for less money than spending 30 grand on a server. And I'm not even 100% convinced you're gonna be happy with the performance. It's not gonna be two or three times as fast. Maybe it's 20% faster. Do you really wanna spend $30,000 on 20% faster? Probably not. I will do it if that's the route you wanna go. And again, that's the conversation with the client is like, how do we really expectation set for the client? If you wanna do that, I will do it for you. But in the same thing goes with all these different solutions that are out there, right? We have a, we have low, medium and high voice over IP systems. We have low, medium and high surveillance systems, low, medium, high access control systems. And for some clients, the low and the medium access control system is just completely inappropriate, right? So for our property management system that has hundreds of apartments across dozens of apartment buildings in LA and Orange County, that's the only appropriate solution is a expensive access control solution. <laughs> it's just, there is no other appropriate solution, but for the, almost all of our clients, they could pick any of them and they just have to look at the pros and cons of them along with the associated costs and decide, do I want this feature or not? So it's really about having that conversation with the client and understanding, like really geek, laying out the options and letting them choose along with you, helping guide them into a correct solution for their budget and for their desire for features and performance. Absolutely. Super important. So as you built the company, what's the strategy been when it comes to marketing, content, social media, all that stuff? What kind of role has that played in growth? That has been probably the biggest challenge for us and one that I feel like we've got a pretty decent handle on now, but it's still ever evolving because the landscape is always changing. The company was built on the back of mine and my partner's networks initially, right? So we just reached out to a lot of people we know and got business that way. But that only scales so far, right? We only know so many people. As that kind of started to dwindle, we recognized the need to get out there in front of it more. We've tried, we've tried cold calling, we've tried mailers, we've tried lunch and learns webinars. You name it, we've probably tried it. We've tried not up on emailing campaigns. The thing that we've had the most success with is search engine optimization. And I think this is not going to be a universal answer for everyone. It's going to be very different. Paid advertising probably makes a lot of sense for certain people when you're in a more niche industry that's maybe not as cluttered or when you're in an industry that has really high margins, right? So, or if, or if you're really dialing into a very specific area, right? Like 
a high-end Beverly Hills plastic surgeon, it might make sense to pay 50 bucks a click for whatever, a fa facelifts for in Beverly Hills, only targeting that those really rich communities in Los Angeles. Maybe those clicks are worth it. I, I don't know. But for us, we're trying to find business to business, owners of businesses that are B2B. <laughs> and that is just a very small group of people. When you think about who might be in the market for a facelift in Beverly Hills? Like the answer is probably like lots of women in Beverly Hills are looking for plastic surgery, for whether we like to admit it or not. Whereas my group is a very small percentage of the population, right? I don't know how many, maybe one in a hundred or one in 500 people are an owner of a small to mid-sized business that is business to business. So not a yoga studio, not a small hotel, not a restaurateur. It's probably like one in 500, maybe even one in a thousand. Pay-per-click didn't work for me because what I was, pay-per-click or those kind of things didn't work for me because what I got a lot of was, can you fix my iPad screen? Can you come fix my computer? And it's like- uh, you, you like consumer requests, yeah. Like not a- Yeah. And the same thing, we tried Yelp. We've tried so many different things. We actually ended up finding a platform that we do called Clutch. And we've been trying to get reviews and things like that on some other platforms that are geared to B2B. But search engine optimization we found was really the most effective because we could figure out what owners or other executives or their assistants at these companies were searching, right? They're searching for Los Angeles computer support, Los Angeles network support, Los Angeles server support, Los Angeles IT support, IT solutions, security solutions. And we could target those words and get more qualified leads for the type of business that we're looking for. So search engine optimization really is what it came down to for us. We've spent a lot of time and energy on that. Lots of writing, lots of blog posting, lots of optimizing the content on the pages and then continually updating them because Google wants to see new content all the time. So search engine optimization, you know, search engine optimization is a, is a interesting world and game that you play. And that's been our primary tactic. And we're always looking for new methodologies and we're always looking, we're always monitoring where we rank on the search engine rankings to see if Google's changed their algorithms or anything like that, that might be positively or negatively affecting us and making the appropriate changes. So it's not like a set it and forget it thing. I don't think that any marketing probably is because if you have success, your competition is just going to end up copying you. But yeah, th that's what's ended up really working for us. But I will admit to any other entrepreneur, we, I guess you could say wasted. I guess you could say learned expensive lessons would be a better way to put it. We spent a lot of money with firms, with other, other situations, with Google, with whatever advertising, trying to get other solutions to work. We spent literally tens of thousands of dollars over the years that didn't work and until we really dialed in an SEO strategy that worked for us and also refined it down to the minimum spend we needed to get the results we wanted. So that's good advice. If you could offer one piece of advice to your industry or your customers as a whole, what would it be? You should restructure the way you think about IT as an investment, not a cost center. IT makes your organization more efficient and all of your confidential and customer data is in these systems and securing them is critical. You can no longer think of it as a cost center. You must think of it as a capital expense that is critical for your business operations. What does that mean? 
it probably means you're not spending enough, to be quite frank. The cybersecurity landscape is a great example. To truly secure our clients' environments, they need to be spending about 40 to 60% more than they historically have on IT services. And what customers need to see is that 40 to 60% is protecting them against very real threats that they do not want to be involved in. We've been around the block long enough that we have seen ransomware payments. We have had clients pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to ransomers. We have had clients lose tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars to phishing schemes and wire fraud and scams. You can defend yourself against this, but not for free. So we can help, but we can only help our clients that are willing to spend money on it. And we have clients that are not willing to spend money on it. And we make it very clear to them, you are not buying these seven services from us. And if you get hit, it's you and your insurance company and your bank account that have to figure out how to deal with this problem. Another way to think about this, and this is, I know this is really just a sprawling answer to this question, but the way I like to try to frame it around customers is either think about IT either as a percentage of your revenue, right? So you're probably spending 5% of your revenue on sales and marketing, maybe even 10%, right? Think about spending 1% of your revenue on IT. That is probably enough to have an appropriate level of both security and scalability and systems for your people. The shocking thing is most organizations aren't even spending 1% on IT. And when they think about that number, they freak out. Another way to think about it is against payroll. So, you know, think about if you are down on an average two days a year due, due to IT problems, how much is your payroll cost? And so the way we tend to sell our services is a price per user per month. And that price has a huge variation depending on what services that the person is buying from us. But if they're getting our whole bundle all the way through compliance services, they're spending quite a bit per user per month. But when you look at that amount, actually, compared to the person's salary, it's microscopic. It's probably what they pay for dental insurance for that person. It's like they need to put it in perspective as to what they're getting out of They're getting out of this person that they're spending this much per month to get efficiency out of this much IT spends can, you know, can make a huge difference. Absolutely. Chad, thanks so much for being on the podcast today, sharing all your wisdom and insights. Much appreciated. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me.